Amen. Praise you, Jesus. So good to have you with us today. And as we dive into God's Word, I pray that you'll understand the power of the resurrection and what it means to you and I. You know, in John chapter 8 and verse 12, it says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, the illumination. There, there is something about the resurrection. So many people, they see the cross and they stop there. You know, when the Roman Empire, they decided rather than to fight Christians and to kill them, which didn't work, it was spreading like wildfire, that they should just join them. And so we have the Roman Empire painting crosses on shields, going into battle as though the cross was some kind of lucky charm. But when you look at the cross, and you realize that Jesus died for your and my sins, do you realize that if Jesus would not have risen from the dead, you still would not have life, the life of heaven, the life of Jesus, the life of God, this Zoe, incredible life that touches you on the inside and makes you feel accepted and loved and a part of the family, something inside of you that only the Holy Spirit could do. We've got to understand today the power of His resurrection. The Bible teaches us in John chapter 5 and verses 38. It says, but you do not have His word abiding in you. This is Jesus talking to religious people because whom He sent, Him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, Jesus said, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these, the scriptures, are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me, Jesus says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that you may have life. So many Christians, they have this kind of belief that, well, he's forgiven my sins. They even know, don't know what to believe there. They got to track every sin, confess every sin, uh, you know, and, and this constant awareness of how much sin you did today. And do I have to confess that one? Because, you know, whatever is not of faith is sin. And to him that knew, knew, knows to do good and doesn't do it, that is sin. And if you think it in your heart, then you've already done it. Jesus is showing people that there is just no way that you can be so sin conscious that you'd confess every individual little sin properly enough. Jesus is saying here that when you come to Him, you have eternal life. And here is the struggle of religion, is to, for you to try to earn as best you can this life of Jesus. And almost every letter that Paul wrote is to explain to people that the resurrection life we're talking about this morning 
that it is a completely new covenant. It's no longer your work of the flesh. It's no longer you trying to be good enough to get God to flow more in your life. And Jesus goes on. In fact, in John 8, 31 and 32, he says to the Jews who believed on him, if you abide in my word. Okay, and this word means the revelation, the aha, the illumination of his word. Then you are my disciplined followers indeed. And you're going to know truth, and this truth is going to set you free. This freedom is a freedom from anger, a freedom from fear, a freedom from guilt, a freedom uh, from this condemnation uh, that the enemy, that your own heart would push at you, that when you know truth, now what truth is he talking about? Because so many Christians go, well, I just can't learn the whole Bible. If you will get this most foundational truth in your heart, that whom the Son, in verse 36 of John 8, it says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Free, 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 free there, free here, free up. You're just free. There's a freedom in your life that only Jesus can bring. Why? Because he died on the cross and he fulfilled the law for you qualified you, but he went to the grave in your place, that place of death, that deep place that Job talks about as gloomy and dark, that other portions of scripture talk about as this horrible place of darkness and death. You and I have to realize that the power of Jesus is in our lives because of him rising again. So many people, you see, if truth sets you free, then lies and ignorance and deception is what holds us in bondage. What? A lie. Now, the enemy wants you to think that it's your sin as a Christian that holds you in bondage, that stops all of your miracles. And that's what religious people do. They try to make every born-again believer get so conscious of their sin, so aware of their inability to live good enough, big enough. But until you understand that you're qualified for his life to be on the inside of you, you're qualified for every promise that because Jesus arose from the dead, you and I can really live. And this life gives us the ability to live for him. And I mean, all the pleasures that are at the right hand of the Father, all of the things uh, that Jesus brings to you and I, it just makes you light up and go, there's nothing this world has or can deliver to us in any way uh, that is exciting. God's grace, his peace, it saturates your heart. My world entirely changed when I understood Holy Spirit's role in my life. When I understood that if I could just tell Holy Spirit, I want you to be my friend, have given my life to Jesus, you're alive on the inside of me, I want to be alive with you. When you study the Bible, Holy Spirit, He is the powerful force on this planet 
All through the Old Testament, you hear about the Spirit of God. All through the New Testament, you hear about Holy Spirit. And when you recognize it without Holy Spirit, without you spending time with Him, His Word, it won't ignite itself on the inside of you. Christianity today, it's just it's irritating because everybody thinks it's got to do with your head. That the smarter you are at the Bible, if you can read four languages, five languages, and you can do it in Greek and Aramaic and, and Latin, and, uh, and that, that you're going to be closer to God, you're going to be more aware. But the more people I meet, I still find few people with all this education that are alive with the life of Jesus where he manifests himself inside of them, changes them, gives them this courage, this life, and it manifests itself with peace and joy and healing and the favor and the blessing of God that's all over someone when this life, this Zoe life, rises up on the inside of them. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me will do the same things I do. Let me ask you a question. What is your faith based on? Well, Leon, I just believe. No, that's not good enough. Let's take it a step deeper. What do you believe? Well, um, I believe God's all-powerful. Well, the devil believes that. Well, I believe Jesus heals. The devil believes that. Well, I believe that he's coming again. The devil knows that too. What's so different? What makes this faith come alive in a believer when so many, especially today, are so materialistic, self-centered, me, 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 that this dying to self and this desire for Jesus, so few people seem to have it. It is an understanding of who Jesus is, yes, but what he did for you and I. Do you want to know what Paul re repeatedly warns about when it comes to to demonic doctrines, when it comes to the enemy trying to cheat you out of this new life, he says they will never admit that Jesus came in the flesh and that he arose again. Do you know that even when it comes to your salvation, that there's got to be a security in you that we confess with our heart, our mouth believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Without him rising from the dead, we don't have a life to really live and to spend eternity with him. Without the proper download of God's living word in your mind and then deeper into your heart, your spirit and your body won't work properly. Until you have a relationship with Holy Spirit where the Word of God is being revealed and illuminated, your heart will never believe something. And Christianity out of the head doesn't work. It's just another religion. You say, well, Leon, I'm trying, I'm trying. Stop trying. This is where you're frustrated, where people quit on God, is this trying, trying, trying. The Bible teaches you and I, how many times when you read the word does it say to yield? You need to know Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, when he got this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 16 and on, he began to pray. And he says, my prayer for you is that the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Well, who's that? 
That's Holy Spirit. That you will be filled with the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and that it would illuminate. There'd be an understanding deep within you as to whose you are. You know, as I read the Word, I used to, you know, just force myself to read the Word and I would find reading plans and so much a day and if I do this many chapters I can get through the Bible and, and, and all these things. Now there's nothing wrong with those things but I've got news for you. It wasn't until I said, Holy Spirit, be my friend. Teach me. And as I begin to go into the Word, He began to reveal he began to illuminate. And I would see Jesus and what He had done in every scripture. I would see myself with Jesus. And all of a sudden, the things I was trying to do, I found that as I just yielded to Holy Spirit, as He took me into the Word, that He began to rebuild Leon at the heart level. This deep level of beliefs. You see, deep Beliefs determine your behavior. If you struggle with any behavior you don't like, then you have heart beliefs that are misbeliefs. You have been hurt in an area. Somewhere in life you've had an, ex an, an event take place. An extreme emotion has caused you to judge yourself, to judge God, to judge people around you, and it's left you trapped in a world that you don't enjoy, even as a born-again believer. You see, the doorway to the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is not a mind that is informed. One of the greatest enemies today is this fad this substitute for faith. And I hear Christians saying it all the time. Be positive. Positive is good. But it's only one part of the process of growing in great faith. In the Old Testament, they limited God. And Psalm 78, 37 says, For their heart was not right with Him, neither were they steadfast in His covenant. The great majority of the 21st century church has rejected the finished work of Jesus as the absolute basis for knowing and experiencing God. Instead, they believe it's their good works, that the gooder they can become, the better they can become, the, 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 you know, the, the, the less issues in their life, that that is when they, that God begins to work in their life. And they've gone back to Old Testament living. When you begin to understand that that's not where it's at. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 2 to 5, the Apostle Paul tells everybody there that, that I decided while I was with you, I'd forget about everything except Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. So when I come to you, I was weak and fearful and trembling. My teaching, though, they're not with words of human wisdom that persuade people, but with proof of the power that the Spirit gives. This was so that your faith would be in God's power and not in human wisdom. As I would speak at conferences around the world, different denominations, and meet men and women 
who would get up. I would sometimes speak at conferences with 40 peace speakers and they would just go through an entire day, day after day. And I would watch people get up behind that that, that sacred desk, now, meaning that this opportunity to speak the truths of God's Word. And I would admire the eloquent speaker who had all his facial expressions and body posture figured out, and man, could he deliver. I was stunned at the oratory that came out of some men, the voice inflections. They were wordsmiths. They'd put together adjectives and adverbs and make what they said just come alive. And I was just jealous going, man! But then there would always be somebody that would walk behind the desk and they would begin to teach God's Word. And you would instantly sense Holy Spirit fill the room. He would begin to touch hearts. Some would begin to weep. Some I would see just hold their hands and rock back and forth as their heart began to be touched by the power of Holy Spirit. You see, the best trained minds, public speakers. I, I like, by the way, developing skills in public speaking and I appreciate people who do but when it lacks the very presence of God, and God is not breathing on people through that person speaking, you can just sense it. And it was such a difference. And I want to say something to you. Although it is, makes that much difference with the teachers and the pastors in the five-fold ministry, it makes that much difference in your life as well. That when you go to live, the presence of God, this sweet-smelling savor, this wind that blows, the, the Bible's trying to put it into words that you just enter a room and people don't know why, that they, there's something they sense. Some people, by the way, who are demonically oppressed will hate you on sight, but the vast majority, as you just continue to learn to love people, get your eyes off of yourself, your inadequacies, your shortcomings, your inability to get results in anywhere in your life, but you could walk into a room, a business room, your family room, your bedroom, your child's room, wherever you go, and the presence of God, this love will just begin to flow. You know, I, I want to say this to some of you today. The Bible teaches us that what strengthens us is God's love in our heart. Read the prayers in Ephesians 1, 14, Ephesians 3, uh, 15 and on, and it talks about being strengthened with His might in your inner man. And it talks about God's love. Now listen close to this. God's love means that God doesn't, you know, have a few tingles down His spine, but He values you. When He says He loves you, He values you. He cares about you. He is in love with you. But religion wants you to say, you're nothing but filthy rags. Take that out of context. And then, you know, stop thinking you're even valuable to God. You ought to be glad he even thinks about you, sucker. And this
teaching that's trying to bring humility into Christians' lives is destroying their ability to feel the love of God, to sense and know He treasures you. He values you. He's looking at you and desiring a life that is so fulfilling. His miracles He wants to do inside of you until that connection between you and Him, you just go, Dad, Dad, because you sense this love, how much he values you and cares about you. But there are so many demonic doctrines that just attack believers and drive a wedge between you and God when Jesus hung on a cross and he died for you and I and he rose again so that you could know his love, his acceptance, because Jesus gave you a gift of righteousness. When you begin to understand this, the finished work of Jesus, then you will begin, and you're never going to know it from the heart until you ask Holy Spirit, teach me. Jesus said, I go away and Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to lead you into all truth. He said, there's things I can't even tell you now because you can't bear it or figure it out or understand it. But Holy Spirit, when he comes, He's going to teach it to you. He's going to show it to you. And a carnally minded generation today that is self-centered and doesn't understand, they think they get it. There are people who are watching me right now, vast majority, you think you get what it means to be a believer, a follower of Christ. And what's sad is you don't. You still struggle with, with self-worth. You still struggle with, God loves me? No, I feel like God's watching me and he's going to slap me upside the head and he's going to knock me off my chair. And he's never happy enough with me. Get your life together. And that's how you see him. You don't see him looking at you through the righteousness that Jesus has given us. We've got to understand, no truth, no doctrine has the power to change your life just because you know the information. It's the revelation. No wonder, like I said in Ephesians chapter 1, he prayed that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. What knowledge of Jesus? Everybody knows he's the Son of God. The fact that on the cross, it was finished. And when he rose again, this was a finished work. The Bible says that, that God worked in Christ, raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one that is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Everybody asks me, whether I'm talking to preachers or Christians, Leon, do you believe we're in the end times? And I go, well, of course. After the cross, the Bible calls the period that we're in the last days, the end times. And so if we understand that, we say, well, no, no, Leon, are you ready if Jesus came back today? I had some, a couple pastors say to me, are you ready if Jesus was to come back today? I said, of course I am. I don't think he's going to leave me behind. But I've got a question for you. What if he doesn't come back for 300 more years? Do you have a plan? Is there something that you're doing to build 
your generations, your family, your grandkids, businesses, and, and everything you can do to advance God's kingdom? Or are we going to live in this perpetual do-nothing because he's coming back, he's coming back. People have written in almost in every generation. Should I uh, go to Bible school or should I go on? Like, should, or what, what do I do? Because I know Jesus is coming back. And every generation sees these signs and, and they're convinced he's coming back today. You are to live ready to go. But the Bible gives you a second thing. You are to occupy till he comes. That word occupy means to do business, to get plugged in, to get involved in our cities, our societies. This new life that when Jesus rose from the grave, I've got news for you. The demonic hordes were stunned and shocked. And instead of one Jesus that they tried to kill and they rejoiced because they got him to a cross, they had him nailed and his body died and I'm telling you they probably threw the biggest party in, in, in hell that you could ever imagine but then all of a sudden something's going on what's happening what's happening around that tomb and angels came and and or the rock was rolled away and the, the disciples and the women begin to come and recognize his body was gone he had risen from the grave and because he rose again with new life in the next 40 days and more thousands upon thousands of people became born again and instead of one jesus walking the planet thousands of them with that same anointing that same nature jesus said that hey because i go to the father he said you're gonna do what i do we've got to understand that get a hold of god's word commit to it envision your life the way Jesus tells us to. Express your desire to God. Recognize that not only did he die on a cross, not only did he go into the grave, but there was a res resurrection. It says in John 14, 19 to 20, now listen to these words. He's telling them a little longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, and because I live, you will live also. Let's stop right there for a minute. He doesn't say, because I died on the cross, you will live. Now, there's a ton of scripture about the beauty, the beauty and the power of the cross. But he said, it's because I live, you will live also. It's time to recognize the empty tomb as the one of the most, the cross is a vital symbol, but the empty tomb is an incredible symbol of eternal life. If Jesus can come back to life and has paid the price, he not only took your sin, he went to the grave in your place, he went to hell in your place, and he arose again, then this new life is ours. He goes on to say, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal is the length, life is the quality. And then Jesus, in a few weeks, he rose in front of his disciples to the right hand of the Father, and there he is seated. And Ephesians 2, 6 says, you are seated with him. 
You see, this revelation that Holy Spirit is trying to get to His church is so specifically first who Jesus is and what He did because then and only then will you know who you are. Father, I pray that every person would have a hunger to know Holy Spirit. That together He would reveal the truth about Jesus. I pray that in the name of Jesus, they would begin to know that revelation will begin to flow in their lives and they'll walk in a place with God they've never known existed. I pray, Father, this Easter weekend will never be forgotten and they will refuse to live some kind of tolerated Christian life, some kind of tepid, lukewarm existence. And instead, they'll desire the exciting life that Jesus can bring. If you're watching today, you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about. The Bible says as you're listening to me preach that the Word of God is causing something new to rise up in you, a hope, a faith. And that's why you're actually going, I, I think I need this. Right now with your mouth, wherever you are, just pray and say, Jesus, come into my heart. I choose you. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. Amen. <laughs> because you've chosen him. You've invited him. You are giving him the room, the right to come into your life. Now continue to follow him every day. There is a life that is so far beyond where you've been that is going to heal you, that's going to make you sense and know his love. Don't get caught up in religion. Stay following us here. Get plugged in to this channel. Come out to Springs Church and let's make sure that you realize how treasured, how valued, how loved you are. And let's not let religion put this this gap between you and God.